All good. All right. Well, 2 Kings chapter 18, we're looking at <clears throat> Hezekiah. And uh, I love King Hezekiah. Man, I, he is, he's one of those uh, really wonderful kings in the Bible. And uh, he just loves the Lord. And the name Hezekiah, uh, the Hezekiah means the Lord strengthens. And he had a reign of 29 years. And King Hezekiah needed God's strength to accomplish all that he did. Uh, like Asa, Jehoshaphat, Josiah, his model uh, was King David. And uh, he wasn't perfect by no means, but he did seek to obey and please uh, the Lord. And uh, we're going to read several uh, things here. Uh, he was also one of the very few kings of Judah uh, that actually removed the idolatrous high places and put an end to idol worship. He restored temple worship. Uh, he encouraged the people to get back into the word of God. And people from both Judah and Israel, he reached out. He tried to bring them back together and and uh, commanded that there be one place of centered worship, and uh, that's what he sought to do. Uh, the sequence of events in his life in Scripture is not necessarily strictly chronological, but um, his illness was, uh, and his uh, welcome of the Babylonian ambassadors actually was uh, before the Assyrian invasion. And uh, so we're going to look at his life and ministry, and, and he's a remarkable king. Here in 2 Kings chapter 18, follow along with me, we'll read uh, the first few verses here. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, uh, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years, excuse me, in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Abi, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. He trusted the Lord God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he claved to the Lord, means he cleaved, he, he held on to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. He smote the Philistines, even into Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. Hezekiah didn't waste any time. He comes to power, he said, we're getting rid of idolatrous worship. Now, he was serious, and his father Ahaz had defiled the temple, had closed the doors and stopped the Levitical ministry. His dad was responsible for stopping the worship to God. Hezekiah, it's remarkable that his dad was wicked, but yet he was a very godly king. In fact, one of the godliest. He would, and also in this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at uh, coming forth uh, there in Second Chronicles, but he would... Command the priests to sanctify themselves. Now let's look a little bit further here. And uh, <clears throat> verse 9, It came to pass in the fourth year of Hez uh, King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. At the end of three years they took it, even in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And uh, so we learn a little bit, Israel is under attack. Judah is getting right with God. I mean, this is a wonderful, wonderful story. And, uh, but Hezekiah, he says, listen, the temple's been closed. The Levites are not doing their job. So let's get them 
let's get them cleansed. They need to get right with God. They need to purify their hearts. They need to purify their bodies. They need to purify the temple. It's a wicked place. And you know what? God will do that in a church. I've seen it over and over again. That sometimes God will purge from that church people that ought not to be there. He'll get rid of those who have wickedness in their lives. And there's certain things going on. And, and God's working. And there's others whom uh, Satan is letting have a victory. And they leave. But Nevertheless, uh, this temple worship was at the heart of the Jewish nation. And Hezekiah understands, he says, if God's not in the center of this, this nation's not going forward. And so he is serious. He said, we've got to get rid of idol worship, and we've got to get pure. You know, that's the exact same thing. When you go into the temple, you go into the temple courtyard. The first was the sacrifice, representing our salvation with Christ. The second thing was the brazen altar, where they would wash their hands before they would go into the tent of the holy, uh, the holy place and the holy of holies. They would wash themselves before they entered into the place where God's presence was. That's the very same thing of the idea of cleansing ourselves. We've got to be cleansed. Hezekiah is interested more in a, a house cleaning project because he has it in his heart to, to just be pure before God. Now, <clears throat> oh, there's a lot of reforms that are going on here. And uh, Hezekiah destroyed a bronze serpent made by Moses. Because he doesn't want the people, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 29 as well, but he doesn't want the people to worship a relic. You know how many times today the Catholic Church will say, this is the house of Mary. This is where Jesus stood. This, hey, if you buy this relic, then God's presence will be with you. God's presence isn't with you just because you have some finite article uh, that was from many thousands of years ago. It doesn't do you any good to have an article if your heart's not right. And so the idea of Nehushtan probably means a bronze thing or a brass thing. And uh, we want to honor, you know, we like to honor religious relics, but they have no power. Because if I honor the relic over the God behind the relic, then, then I'm not there. And Hezekiah just trusts God. He said, it is so important. Look with me at 2 Chronicles 29. He is serious. I mean, he just says, whoa, our nation is a mess. And I think Israel would do great today to learn from him. What a wicked nation. And, and, I, and I feel bad for all the, the innocent people that are dying over there and, and all the warfare there in Gaza and, and how they've been blinded by Satan to a wicked, wicked program, a wicked thought, a wicked religion that seeks to kill other people at their own expense and and yet you look in, in, in the, con the continent of Africa, there are Muslims killing Muslims day in and day out. Genocide of all sorts of things. I read this week of all sorts of different nations there in Africa where Muslims are killing Muslims. But that doesn't make the news. It makes news when Israel attacks Gaza. The fact remains, though, Satan's behind all of this, desiring to kill life. Israel would do great to just get on their face and plead with God and repent of their wickedness. So also would Canada. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1, Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. 
And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Listen, the first month of his reign. I mean, it's like a prime minister comes to office, a president comes to office, and he said, we're going to worship God. The doors have been closed for a long time. He's not worried about diplomacy. He's not worried about upkeeping of the, of the land. He's not worried about uh, in, in strengthening the army. He said, we've got to get back to God. Man, he is a man. I mean, he is a man that loves God. In verse 4, and he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. And he said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. He wasn't afraid to call filthy what was filthy. He wasn't sugarcoating it. He wasn't trying to be haphazard. He wasn't trying to just uh, lightheartedly suggest in a very backwards way that, hey, this might not, maybe, could not, possibly, might not be biblical. No, he just says it's filthy. We've got to call filthy what God calls filthy. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. I mean, he is accusing their forefathers and their forefathers, even his fathers and, and his grandfather of being wicked men. You know, if we're trying to save face for our family at the expense of saving face for God, we do great damage. I've got to call it evil. If God calls it evil, it's evil. It doesn't matter if it's my family or not. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their, their backs. He says, listen, this is the land God gave us. We turned away where we live from God. We've got to get back. We've been evil. We've been wicked. You know what? Canada is a wicked nation. Everything going on, all the drunkenness and the drugs and the, the filthiness and perversion and all sorts of stuff that's in this land. It's a wicked, wicked thing in, in Canada. What we need are churches today to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, and, and without apology, not mean, but without apology, say, this is not right. And also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. You say they, they no longer gave themselves. They no longer gave of their, their means. They were all consumed with material goods. It was all about money, money, money. How much stuff I can have in my back seat. How much stuff I can have in my house. Oh, I can't give to the temple. I don't have enough this month. But the very thing that we see, and then he says something, verse 8, Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. He calls it correctly. He calls it, he says, listen, God is judging us because we have neglected him. You know, maybe in our own lives, some of the hardship we're going through could very well be because of idols. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. You want to know, I, I find that even amazing there. When tragedy strikes... Hezekiah doesn't say, God, why did you let this happen? Why did all my loved ones die? Lord, why the tragedy? You know, he says they've been evil. You have two paths when a tragedy strikes in your life. One, you say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do right. I'm not going to let wickedness come. Second, you can blame God. But here, he says, I know why we're this way. 
I know why our land's a mess. In verse 10, now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from it. He said, oh, we understand the judgment of God. This is, he, he doesn't waste any time. I mean, his dad was wicked. And then we come, he says, my sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose, and then he lists here 14 leaders. Verses 12 through 14. Arose Mahath, the son of Amasai, and Joel, the son of Azariah, of the sons of the Kohathites, and of the sons of Merari, Kish, the son of Abdi, and Azariah, the son of Jehalalil, and of the Gershonites, Joah, and the son of Zimah, and Eden, the son of Joah, and of the sons of Elizaphan, Shimri, and Jael, and of the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Madaniah, and of the sons of Heman, Jehiel, and Shimei, and of the sons of Jeduthun, Shemaiah, and Uziel. There's leaders who are to set the example. You know what God is looking for leaders, men that'll lead, ladies that'll lead. If spiritual leaders aren't right with God, how can God bless his people? And Hezekiah realizes if we don't get right, we're in big, big trouble. Verse 15, and they gather their brethren and sanctify themselves. That word sanctify there is to set apart, but to set apart in a holy way. You know what? They said, let's look at our lives. God, is there any sin in my life? God, is there any idolatry in my lives? God, is there anything that can cause me to get my eyes off of you? You know, one of the things that today I've seen so often and uh, for myself and, and others, the cell phone, social media, uh, just even during church services, people can't get off their cell phones, people can't get away from social media during church services. Uh, I mean, it's just like notifications dinging and people have to respond. It's become idols in our lives and, and the very thing that we can move forward, we, you know, God says, listen, I want your attention. The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. They began on the first day of the first month to sanctify. On the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. In the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. Then they went into Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord. And the altar burnt offering with all the vessels thereof, and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof, and over all the vessels which King Ahaz in his reign did cast away in his transgression, have we prepared and sanctified, behold, there before the altar of the Lord. And I mean, they come in and they said, listen, this place needs to be cleaned up. These men had achieved, verses 12 through 14, an honorable reputation. The other, there's temple singers, were related to Asaph, well-known musicians, and you know what? King, Ace, King Hezekiah says we need music, we need worship to God in, in the, the, the scripture reading, we need sanctified leaders, and they cleanse the temple on the first day of the month. We're going to start the year out right. They take all the trash, and they took it down to the Kidron Valley, and they burn it. And they cleanse the porch. They take the vessels. They put all the temple vessels back in their proper place. It took 16 days to complete the work. The place was a mess. And God says, I'm done. We're going to clean house. If we're to have revival in the Lord's work, it's going to take some cleansing. 
the Passover would occur, as you would find in verse 30, uh, they would have the Passover. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded Levites to sing praise in the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praise with gladness and they bowed their heads in worship. But there's an idea here that's coming and he had a great Passover during the second month. And we'll look at that here in just a little bit. But over the years, we as churches can gradually accumulate a great deal of religious rubbish, garbage. We can do things that we may or may not do and may or may not be profitable. And uh, uh, getting our hearts when we come into the presence of God with other believers in the worship of God. It's not doing some unique thing, but it's getting our hearts prepared that, hey, I'm going to come and worship the King of Kings. I'm going to be able, I want to minister to others and be a blessing and encouragement. And you know what God calls us to do? He would say in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Look with me at Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, that God calls in the idea of cleaning up the, the, the trash in our lives. God is very serious about the worship of himself and the adoration uh, that we bring to him. Psalm 141, 1 and 2, a, a psalm of David, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Hey, he says, I'm going to lift up my hands. You know what? It's okay if you want to lift up your hands during singing. It's okay. I mean, I know it's not a normal thing we do here in the north. It tends to be more reserved and that's fine, but uh, it, it's, a, it's an okay thing. But giving ear into my voice and God saying, when we pray, you can lift up your hands and say, oh God. But the people got serious. And realize this, that in the incense and the sacrifice when you're given unto God, look with me at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The worship of God is, we can make, and, and I'm talking to myself on this as well, how quickly I can get distracted uh, by various things in life. I, uh, there's all sorts of things that can distract me. I mean, even this week as I was there dealing with some of the issues here in the community and dealing with some issues uh, uh, at the Rotary Place where I, um, uh, I'm a board member and uh, just some things that can easily distract me from the main thing, getting in the Word of God preparing my heart to preach and letting God work through me to give the message that he wants to God's people here in this church. Just a blessing that Brother Jim is now back home. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he is back home. He does have quite a few staples and stitches in his head. Uh, he was still a little out of it the last time we spoke to him, but uh, he's home and is, he's healing and he's got minimum four weeks. They did have to drill into his head with blood on the brain and uh, he did a serious number on his head. He hit it hard against his fridge, he told me. And, uh, but thankfully, uh, God spared his life, and he's back home, so thankful for that. And the answer to prayer. But in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, the Bible tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And God tells us, don't be conformed. He says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is the very fact of saying, God, I'm on the altar. You can do with me as you desire. It's, it's your life. I'll follow you. You know, in this whole consecration of the temple, it was all about the Lord. It was all about Him. His presence was there, and the people ought to want to be in the very presence of God with God's people. And it just became a religious relic. Much like all over the world today, there's churches that used to be places that would preach the gospel, and now they're beautiful buildings, but they're empty. And people worship, oh, what a beautiful building, what a beautiful piece of, of history, what a beautiful, and they'll say, wow, what a wonderful place is this. But they don't think, what if God's presence came back into this place? In verse 20 of 2 Chronicles 29, he consecrates the temple. It's not just enough to cleanse the temple. You have to consecrate the temple. And we did that in 2019 with this building. We got the building in 2015, but in 2019, we said we want this building to be consecrated unto God. It's God's building. And, and I know it took us a few years. We had our pastor come forward, come up and from down to Winkler. And, but uh, we wanted to, and so we did. We just prayed and said, oh God, you do a great thing upon this building and this church. And, and I know there's been a lot of challenges and struggles and uh, there's been a lot of opposition, but man, I want God to be glorified. And Hezekiah, he says, we've cleansed it, now let's consecrate it. Because if we don't consecrate it, something's going to fill it. Just like what Satan does you know you clear out someone reforms their life and demons are gone and they come back and bring seven others with them we want to say no it's you're gone and now this is god's place it's god's place we don't let parties and other such venues that are here that would dishonor or desecrate the image of god this is god's house in verse 20 of second chronicles 29 then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rules, rulers of the city, went up to the house of the Lord, and they brought seven bullocks and seven rams and seven lambs and seven he-goats for a sin offering for the kingdom and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bullocks, and the priests received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they had killed the rams, they sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed also the lambs and and sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They brought forth the he-goats for the sin offering before the king and the congregation. They laid their hands upon him, and the priests killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. He says, listen, our nation is wicked. We need to make a sacrifice for the nation. And, and Jesus Christ has died for the nations of the world, his blood, that all nations would come to him. But he says, to make an atonement for all Israel, for the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. Oh, God, we're sorry for our sins oh god we repent and he's serious if someone's serious about getting right with god they're gonna when sin is known in their lives they're gonna want to get rid of it they're not gonna want that sin in their lives they've loved jesus more than they love their sin and they said man i want to go forward and do right and and that's exactly what they're doing they're making the sacrifices because they're saying god my heart's not right our hearts aren't right our forefathers hearts aren't right god we need to do right he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and with psalteries, with harps, according to the commandment of David of Gad, the king's seer, Nathan the prophet. For so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets 
When the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets, and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. When the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Man, I look forward to the day. I would love it if this church had an orchestra. Man, we had all these instruments playing. And man, that would be awesome. Big old choir back here. We'll move this forward. Maybe we have to expand. I don't know. But that would be awesome. Wouldn't it be amazing to have all these instruments playing as we're singing to the Lord? And man, I'm all for it. Someone using their time and their talents for God and singing and the playing and all together worshiping, drawing our hearts to the majesty of our King. In verse 30, moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise in the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praise with gladness and they bowed their heads in worship. And Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And I spoke about thank offerings there in, in uh, October. Man, I'm just bringing because I just love Jesus. I'm bringing because I just want to lift him up. And that's when we come into God's house, we bring a thanks. And I understand there's weeks that are very difficult. But man, when I'm coming to God's house, I'm, it's, I just want to say, hey, Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. And the house of the Lord and the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings. I mean, they mentioned this twice, thank offerings. It's significant that God is back under the place of the authority and the throne of worship in these people's lives. And as many as were of free heart, burnt offerings. And the number of the burnt offerings which the congregation brought was three score and ten. They brought 40 bullocks and 100 rams and 200 lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. And the consecrated things were 600 oxen and 3,000 sheep. But the priests were too few, so they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore their brethren Levites had helped them. Till the work was ended, until the other priests had sanctified themselves, for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priests. And also the burnt offerings were in abundance, for the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. And Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done. When was it done? Suddenly. God's been dedicated. You know what? Our hearts rejoice when you come into God's house and we've set ourselves right. I come in anticipation that I'm going to bring of my praises and thanks to Him. I'm not just doing it just because it's some uh, thing that I'm supposed to do as a good Christian check mark for the week. I I'm doing it. I mean, God, they had, they had, there was, everything was in order. They did it the way God told us to do it. And God's given us how to, to worship Him today and and the singing and the praises and the thanks and the prayers and the preaching of God's word. I mean, a large number of sacrifices. And they, they just said something here that was amazing. And they just, they just kept bringing and they kept bringing these sacrifices. They got on board with what God wanted to do. But it took Hezekiah saying, we're going to do right. It takes, in someone's house, a parent saying, we're going to serve God. We're going to do it God's way. I'm going to put God first, and we're going to trust Him. I don't care what happens, but I'm going to put God first. 
And part of that fellowship offering was kept for the worshipers, eaten with a family and a meal. Remember the thank offering everyone all enjoys together. And we would have a, end up having a fellowship feast there on Thanksgiving. And man, I love fellowship feasts. I would do them a whole lot more often. I love sitting around with God's people and talking about the Lord and the goodness of God. And, you know, if we begin to just focus on this problem and this problem and this problem, and even this week as my heart realizes God showed me uh, just a realization he's still on the throne as he put an end to that 24-7 liquor sales, God showed himself mighty. I was kind of very skeptical. I said, man, this is a wicked community. Drugs are rampant. Alcohol is rampant. I don't see how we can stop it. But I notified, and and God just gave direction, and that just led to a domino effect. And God worked in the hearts of the right people at the right time to stop. Not that it will keep it that way, and we'll have to keep fighting. But the fact is that God did something amazing. But at the same time, as joy and peace is going on in Judah, devastation is going on in Israel as they're attacked and invaded by the Assyrians. Why? Because there's idolatry. You see, Christian, if I get my eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and I begin to go into idolatry and into the comforts of life, it will never satisfy and produce the peace that God does. I was even reading this morning in Jeremiah uh, chapter 16, verse 5. This was quite an amazing thing. I'll have you turn with me here. Uh, and uh, I, I just, Hezekiah, he is a man. I, I, I love Hezekiah. I, I love, I mean, he had some horrible incidents that occurred in his life. And, and uh, but yet, The whole city was under attack. The enemy said, don't go to your God. We've destroyed all other gods. Hezekiah would tear his clothes and go before God and say, oh, God, help us. Man, we need leaders like that today. Man, we need leaders at home, leaders in the church, leaders in our community. Man, what what would Canada be like? What would our nations be like? Well, we'll see that one day when Jesus reigns. In verse 5 of chapter 16 of Jeremiah, For thus saith the Lord, Enter not into the house of mourning, neither go to lament nor bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, saith the Lord, even loving kindness and mercy. And as I was thinking on that in my devotions this morning, I said God gives peace and he can take it. God gives peace to your life and he can take it. You go into idolatry, he takes that gift of peace. The very thing is, he, he just removes it. It's a gift. You don't earn it. It's not a right to have peace. It's a gift. And God gives peace and he can take peace if you go into idolatry as he's telling, as God tells Jeremiah, don't pray for them anymore. Judgment's coming. How sad that from Hezekiah to Jeremiah there would be such a drastic turning away. Man, my heart, I just, I get so excited. I love speaking of Hezekiah. I'll have to save it for next week as they celebrate the Passover, but man, this is exciting. The revival breaks out. 
You know what revival is? People like to say, well, revival is, is people get, you know, praising, jumping up and down and all this kind of stuff. It, it's, it, it could be that out of excitement, but it doesn't mean that just because you see that, that there's revival. Revival is when people get right with God, sin is exposed, sin is repented of, sin is confessed, and sin is turned from. People just say, I don't want Jesus, I, or not Jesus, I, I don't want idols anymore. I, I don't want the things of this world. I want to put Jesus first. I don't want the music of the world. I don't want the movies of the world. I don't want the, the closest friends to be people of the world. I want to honor and serve Christ. Now we need to make, we need to be out amongst the people of the land. And we need to be, I mean, it, opportunities to, you know, as I'm in the fire department and auxiliary and other things that I do to try to, to meet people and opportunities to talk to them about Christ, but uh, they're not my closest companions. It would be those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. But we want to put Jesus on the throne of our lives. Revival breaks out here, and this is an exciting thing. When revival breaks out, people will naturally give praises and thanks to God. They'll just, it just flows. Peace, joy. Because people are saying, hey, I'm going to call evil evil and I'm going to call right what God calls right. And if there's idolatry in my life, I'm going to get rid of it. And joy and gladness and however people, I know people rejoice in different ways. Sometimes people uh, are more reserved in their happiness and other times people are just like, you know, when the, when the mayor called and said the, the liquor license would be revoked, man, I just jumped up and said, hallelujah. No, I was excited. I tend to be one of those that, you know, gets more amped up and excited and joyous. And, but however you rejoice, man, revival here. God can still do it. God can still do revival in a church. God can still do revival in a city. But it's going to take believers it took hezekiah first getting right seeing the vision that i need to get right with god and consecrate myself consecrate god's house and if god's house is consecrated and sanctified and and cleansed and purified and we are sanctified and cleansed and purified we go out and man the light of jesus shines but it's got to be upon us as believers someone's got to start it Someone's got to be, you know what, revival is Christians just being a normal Christian before God. Biblical Christian, pure Christian, a revived Christian. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your gracious wonder that you did there in the days of Hezekiah, Lord. And it wasn't some magnificent outpouring of, of some great power but lord it was god's people your people getting right cleansing and getting back to obedience and lord you showered upon them peace and joy father how often do we miss that because we're just disobedient lord i pray that you'd help us to be faithful lord i pray that you reveal idolatry in our lives Or because of idolatry in our lives, others suffer. The lost don't hear the gospel. Father, help us to be pure. We sure love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and grace. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.